about Christmas. I'm just going to get my script. What are you really looking forward to about Christmas this year? Great. I'm sure you're looking forward to lots of things this Christmas. Today I want to talk to you about how to respond to the Christmas story. I think of the poor kids and I'd be really confused at the messages that are coming to me about Christmas if I was a child. Firstly, my parents, who I really trust, they tell me Santa is coming. I've got to be good. He's also apparently going to deliver parcels to every child in the world. That's pretty impressive. And who's bankrolling Santa amidst a high inflationary environment? Who tells Santa what every child needs? And who tells Santa what each household, like their funny traditions? My cousin used to get their main present in the stocking. I got, like, helpful but not exactly amazing presence in my stocking. Like, who tells Santa all this? So I'd be confused about Santa. And then there's the Christmas story with baby Jesus, some shepherds and some blokes who travel a very long way on a camel to worship him. They say it's actually not about being good. In fact, this baby came because apparently I'm not good. And the Bible claims this baby is actually God. Well, that seems pretty far-fetched to me. And the stats back this up. I was looking at stats across the UK. 20% of UK adults think Jesus is God in human form. 25% think he's just a human. 33% think he's a prophet or like a spiritual leader, but definitely not God incarnate. So I'd be confused by everything. I'd be confused about the nativity story. Believable? Well, certainly pretty far-fetched. I'd be one of those don't know. That's like 18% of adults in the UK. Well, let's read some of what happened in one of the original sources. There's a Bible in the chair in front of you. Pull it out, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke on page 1030. One thousand thirty, and we're going to read... From verse 5. It's quite a long reading. I'll read it as quick as I can. But it's, it's pretty gripping stuff. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, blamelessly walking in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside 
at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the, king, over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you that you've spoken in your word. Help us to understand it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, to appreciate the situation that we've just read, we need to understand the background. The background is that there's been 400 years of silence. Imagine that silence. God's spoken uh, previously to his people through prophets, through priests, through kings, and then nothing. It's like the curtains have been drawn. 
The lights are out. The line's been cut. We, c- I mean, I, I'm not, maybe I'm not talking for you. I can barely handle it when the internet is cut for an hour. Imagine God's people, 400 years you've not heard from God. The last they heard, if you flick back to page 970, these are the last words of the Old Testament, 400 years before. It says, Behold, Malachi 4 verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. That's the last thing God says. Then silence. Now, what's going through your mind? I'd be having lots of questions. I'd be thinking, does God care about us? I thought he cared about us. Has he forgotten about us? He said we were the apple of his eye, but we've not heard from him for a while. Has God washed his hands clean of us? Has he given up on this project of us being a light to the rest of the world? Is God hiding from us? I love playing hide and seek with my kids. Um, it's really fun when they're very young. And I'll do, Susanna, where's Susanna? We'll play hide and seek. And I go looking for her. Where's Susanna? Is she under the bed? And I crane my neck under. You've got to go like really immersive in this. Is she under the bed? No. Is she under the table? No. Is she in the playhouse? No. Where's Susanna? And by this stage, the curtain is like shaking because Susanna is laughing so hard. Where's Susanna? Is God hiding? And then an announcement comes. A forerunner is coming. Someone is coming who's going to be an announcer. A forerunner. He prepares the way for someone else. And the camera zooms in on this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're living during the time of Herod, a king of Judea. And here's the crucial features about them. Zechariah is a priest, verse 5. And Elizabeth is childless. But verse 7, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. They were advanced in years. Being barren was a cause of great shame. Cause of great pain in their lives. Zechariah is working in the temple. Priests, they do your, you do your work in the temple twice a year. You go there twice a year. And they pick lots. So who's on the rotor today? Well, we, we pick the short, you pick the short straw. And he's in the temple that day. Imagine him. He's trimming the wicks. Maybe he's piling up the incense, topping it up. And suddenly... An angel appears. Verse 12, Zechariah, it says, was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. Yikes, of course you'd be troubled. Like more, more like terrified, alarmed, petrified, like frozen to the spot. What do I do with this match? Let it go. 
And then the angel has a message. He says, don't be afraid. As if don't be afraid is going to calm down your heart palpitations. It certainly wouldn't work for me. And here's the message, verse 13. He says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. 400 years of silence. This is the first thing we hear. My prayers have been heard. God knows the pain I've been going through. The pain I've been going through, the nation has been going through, the silence. But really, could I actually believe it when that angel appeared? We're told what would happen about this child, verse 15. He will be great before the Lord. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Just what we'd heard at the end of the Old Testament repeated about this baby. Last week, I'm on the school bus, and it's the, the school run with the kids. Sorry, I'm, I'm on the school run with the kids. They're in the bike. We've got one of these bike things. And right in front of me is a bus. And on the back of the bus, it said, there was an advert which said, plan your child's future. And as I'm cycling over Putney Bridge, seeing this advert, I'm kind of pondering. I'm like... I've got to find this perfect balance as a parent. I've got to um, help my kids flourish. I want to give them opportunities to thrive. But I don't want to be overbearing. I don't really want to plan their future, which is what this advert is telling me I've got to do. But this child, his future was planned for him. Do you see what was told about this child? He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and his future, his plan is he's got to prepare God's people for the coming Lord. God's people clearly were not ready for the Lord. That's why they needed this baby to come. A prophet like Elijah would come. And later in the Gospels, we hear that this baby, he calls people to repentance. And repentance is a really positive word. It means turning to God, turning away from the things that are bad for us, bad for our relationships and turning to God. Nothing could be better than turning to God. So that's what this forerunner is to do. Verse 23. And when his time of service, when Zechariah's time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Firstly, a forerunner is coming. Secondly, the Lord is coming. That angel, Gabriel, has done his usual errands for the Lord. And then God says, I've got a special assignment for you. He goes to the town of, in the north called Nazareth. God's not just interested in what happens in the capital city. He also cares about the north. I used to live in the north, in York. I find that encouraging. God cares about people all over, even in the north. 
And Gabriel goes to a woman who's engaged to a carpenter called Joseph. She's called Mary. Maybe uh, she's baking bread that day. Maybe she's thinking about the washing that's got to be hung up on the line later. Maybe she's humming a tune to herself from the top 40. Bless the Lord by King David, one of his classics. And suddenly, a dazzling angel appears. It's like the stories of old, but it's actually happening to her. You found favor with God, the angel says, verse 30. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. This baby is the Lord. This baby about to be in her womb is the Lord. The Lord is coming. God's own Son is coming into her womb. Now, a few things to note. The Lord is coming. There's a few sort of sub-points I just thought were really interesting as I was reading this. The Lord is coming fulfills prophecy. The angel says, verse 32, that this baby will have the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. God made a promise to King David. Remember the guy who killed Goliath? God made a promise to him and said, you're going to have a a descendant who's going to have a kingdom that's going to go on forever and ever and ever. That promise is fulfilled in this baby. I was at an event uh, just the other week with, we heard a guy called Tim Farron who used to lead the Liberal Democrats. He was speaking. And he'd just moved at age 18. The whole family moved to Singapore and he was really bored. He hadn't, he'd brought nothing with him. And so they were, in the flat they were renting, he started reading some of the books on the bookshelves. And one of the books said um, it was all about fulfilled prophecies. And there's over 300 prophecies about a Messiah who's going to come. And loads of them were fulfilled by Jesus in his birth and in his life, in his death and his resurrection. Some of them haven't been fulfilled and they will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back. But Tim Farron was reading this book, age 18, And he was convinced he'd seen so many prophecies, this book showed him, in the Old Testament and how they were fulfilled in Jesus. He he decided to give his life to Jesus. He said, right, I'm going to follow this guy. This clearly is so remarkable, this person, because he fulfills prophecy. The Lord is coming fulfills prophecy. Secondly, the Lord is coming as a king. Did you see that reference there? The baby's surname i had a mate and his surname was davidson in a sense this baby's surname would be davidson the lord will give to him the throne of his father david he's a son of david he's of david's royal priestly line but so jesus is a king of his kingdom we're told there will be no end but his kingship is very different to all the kingships that we encounter in the world. And that's the next thing. The, the Lord is coming was unconventional. We're so, I, I think we're so familiar with this story. We see the cute kids do their thing. And we get lost. All the surprises in the story. It gets lost on us. God didn't come to a palace. 
He came to a poor family. He didn't come to the capital city. He went to the backwaters. The announcement was made to a young girl, probably in her teenage years. Jesus' kingship was unconventional. His cot was a feeding trough. His triumphal entry when he marched into the capital city was on a lowly donkey. His throne was a, was a cross. His crown was laced with thorns. Right in the birth announcement, we see a pattern. Jesus came in weakness. And that's why a lot of people find this story completely ridiculous. In fact, if you said, David, can you write the story? I wouldn't have written it anything like this. It's unconventional. All the wrong things happen in it. And so Mary sings about it. She sings about how God shows strength with his arm. He scatters the proud. He's brought down the mighty. And he exalts the humble. The Lord is coming. It's unconventional. It fulfills prophecy. So how should we respond? Well, we've been thinking about these unconventional moments in the story, in these birth announcements And if you look at the responses, they're also unconventional. Notice the first one. Look at Gabriel appearing to Zechariah, the the first part of it. Zechariah is a male priest, and he's in the temple. If, If anyone knows how to respond with faith to this, surely it's like a priest. Priests should know how to respond to God. And Surely if there's anywhere that you expect to encounter God, it's in the temple. I mean, maybe that's just me, but I think if I went to the temple, I would expect to encounter God. Maybe not an angel, but I'd certainly expect to encounter God. And yet, Zechariah responds with unbelief. He says, verse 18, How shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. God says the sign, because you didn't believe there's going to be a sign, the sign is you're not going to be able to talk for nine months until this baby's born. Well, I'm sure he started to believe when that sign happened. So, so it's unconventional, Zechariah's response, but it's also Mary's response is interesting. She has a question. She says, how will this be? How can I possibly have a baby? I'm a virgin. But then by the end, she responds. She says, behold, verse 38, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary questions. She explores. And then she responds with faith. She believes the Lord's words. I, I started by saying, how do we approach, how do we respond to the Christmas story. As we approach Christmas, we've got a few weeks. As we approach Christmas, I want to encourage us to come with an open, inquiring mind. The first few verses, actually, if you look down at the first few verses of Luke, he tells us, you can, 
you can take this document really seriously. He says, verse 2, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered to us. So I wrote an orderly account. He says, you can stake your life on this. I've done my research. I'm a doctor, Dr. Luke. I've done my research. You can stake your life on these documents, on the sources. But maybe you've got doubts like Zechariah. Maybe you've got questions like Mary. My prayer is that your questions would lead you to explore further. Would you join us? We're going to have Alpha, as Ollie said, this uh, next term. We're going to have it every Wednesday in the vicarage. Alpha is always lots of fun. We have a meal, great food, and then we talk. We watch a short video, and then we talk and discuss it. And the discussion is the best bit of Alpha. We have such interesting people coming with such interesting questions. So maybe you could join us for Alpha. We'd love you to come. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, for those of us who struggle to believe some of this, would you help us to come to the Christmas story with an open and inquiring mind? Would you show us the reality of this story? And Lord, for those of us who've heard this story many times, Would there be a newness, a freshness about it this year? A wonder that you entered the world. To wonder at you. As a song put it, who is God that he should take our frame? The artisan inside the paint. Or breathe the very air his breath sustains. The architect inside the plan. Thank you for coming. Help us believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, shall we, um, shall we stand for our final hymn?